This morning, God's Word comes to us from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. <clears throat> Luke, chapter 1. We are going to begin our reading at verse 26 and then read through verse 38 of this chapter. Luke 1, beginning at verse 26. What we hear now is God's word. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, last week we began our Advent series for this year on preparing for Christmas. I mentioned perhaps you have been preparing for Christmas in your own homes. We are also preparing for Christmas in our worship, preparing to once again celebrate uh, God giving His own Son to come down to earth and to be born to pay for our sins. And we, re we rejoice in the glory of this season. God Himself prepared for the coming of His Son. God Himself prepared for Christmas in sending a forerunner, in sending John the Baptist. And we talked last time about that announcement of the birth of John the Baptist. This morning, we see more preparation being made, this time with another birth announcement, this birth announcement to Mary. And there are many similarities between the birth announcement we saw last week to Zechariah and the birth announcement we see this week to Mary. Both are announced with the sending of an angel. Gabriel comes and speaks to Zechariah. Gabriel comes and speaks to Mary. Both are told, do not be afraid. Back in chapter thir verse 13, 
We read, The angel said to Zechariah, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. In our text for today, verse 30, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Those wonderful words, do not be afraid. Both came announcing the birth of a son. A son to be born to Zechariah, a son to be born to Mary. And both announcements tell them what that son is to be named. You will call his name John. You will call his name Jesus. Many similarities between both of the birth announcements. But also, one significant difference. And that is the response to the announcement from the one who heard. We saw Zechariah's response last week in verse 18 of this chapter. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. Zechariah's response of unbelief at the, the uh, angel's message. Mary's response in verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be, since I am a virgin? We're gonna look at that response today. And while it may look very similar to Zechariah's response, we'll see it's a very different response, responding to this announcement of the birth of a son. We talked this morning about Mary. And you've always got to kind of be, um, kind of find a balancing act when talking about Mary. It is true that Mary is the mother of our Lord. What a great and highly exalted position to have. She is the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, some have taken that to uh, develop a whole theology around Mary. Yes, she is the mother of our Lord. But Mary was only a regular, ordinary woman. So how do we understand Mary's role in, in the history of redemption, if we can put it that way? We look at that this morning as well. Verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Verse 28, he came to her and said to her, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. The angel comes and greets Mary. Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now maybe that particular wording doesn't strike a chord with us uh, too much, the way it's translated here. Perhaps if we heard the words translated from the Latin Vulgate, it might strike a stronger chord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou amongst women. Hail Mary, full of grace. This is what uh, the Catholics mean when they say, saying a Hail Mary, taking these words on their lips. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and in the hour of our death. Hail Mary, full of grace. Our 
translation helps us to capture what's really being said here. It is not Hail Mary full of grace as if she has the grace which she now may dispense to others. That's why Roman Catholics pray to Mary. She's a dispenser of grace. Hail Mary full of grace. Give that grace to us now. It's not what's being said. The word for grace and the word for favor are very similar. They are linked. And so our translation helps us. Hail Mary, or greetings, O favored one. That is, one who has received the grace of God. You are one who is favored and who is chosen by God to be used by God. The focus of this greeting, greeting, O favored one, the Lord is with you, is not so much on Mary, but on God, on what he is doing. He is choosing one to to work out his plan of redemption, his plan of salvation. Hail Mary, one who is favored, for you are particularly chosen to be used by God to bring his son into the world. When she hears these words, we read in verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. I'm always struck when I read that. She was greatly troubled at the saying. I would have been troubled at the angel. (laughs) There's an angel in front of me. Mary is troubled by the saying and tries to discern what type of greeting this is that she is being given. But the angel, we read in verse 30, the angel says to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Again, not one who dispenses that favor, not one who is full of grace or favor to give to others. You have been found as one who is favorable in this gracious state chosen for a particular service to God. That's the nature of this greeting. Not hail Mary full of grace, now give that grace to us. But no greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. The angel goes on to speak to Mary and to give the message that he has been sent to give, a message which includes a promise for her. Verse 31, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. You will conceive and bear a son. We talked last time about that Old Testament expectation that at some point in time, God was going to send a redeemer for his people, which is why it was such a terrible thing to be barren. Talked about that last week with Elizabeth. One who was barren had no opportunity to bring that Redeemer for Israel. But God is now going to fulfill those Old Testament expectations. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. Now we talked about this just maybe a month or so ago in our series on the Heidelberg Catechism of the name of our Savior Jesus. And how how that name really comes from the Old Testament name Joshua, meaning God saves. You will call his name God saves, for he is going to save his people. She was told, you will have a son, 
and he will be your son, Mary. He will have your humanity. And that was required that he be truly human. God, God would be faithful to himself and to his word. God is a just God who would not punish any other creature for the sins of humanity. Jesus came and had to be human. Took that human nature from the Virgin Mary. That God's justice might be, might be equitable. That he might judge and punish humanity for the sins of humanity. You will have a, call, a child. You will call his name Jesus. And, and he will be great and called the Son of the Most High. Yes, he would be human. He would be Mary's son. But he would also be son of the Most High. He would be divine and had to be divine. Only a divine being can withstand the wrath of a divine holy God. Jesus comes and he is perfectly fit to do the task God gave him to do, to be the mediator between a fallen humanity and a holy, righteous God. He comes as the God-man, Son of Mary, human, Son of the Most High, divine. And in all of history, he is the only one who fits those qualifications. There have been other great human leaders trying to lead their people. There have been other who've claimed to be God. But Jesus Christ is the only one who truly was the God-man, the perfect mediator between holy God and fallen humanity. The angel goes on. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And once again, reaching back into the Old Testament, we see here the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Back in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 7, God speaks these words. Moreover, the Lord, this is God speaking to David. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Those words not only applicable to David's son, but to David's greater son. To the one who truly would take the kingship and sit on the Davidic throne and rule over God's people and over his kingdom. What do we read there? He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. In the Old Testament children, there would be a king who would be enthroned for a while, then another one would come, then another one would come, then another one would come, and it would be king after king after king after king. Some of them good kings, some of them bad kings. Jesus Christ comes as the eternal king. 
unlike the Old Testament kings who would sit on the throne for a while and then someone would take that throne from them. Jesus Christ comes and is enthroned forever. The coming of that king, that Davidic king from his father David, who would reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. In Christmas, we celebrate the birth of a king. Not only the birth of a savior, as wonderful as that is, as glorious as that is, as one who would come and save us from our sins, he is called Jesus, Joshua, God saves. But he is also a king, one who rules us, who protects us, who cares for us. And we have to celebrate both of those things. We celebrate the coming of a Savior, one who has come to take away our sins. But we also celebrate the coming of a king, our Lord. Joy to the world, the Lord, the ruler, the king has come. And as we, as we hear that glorious message, once again it, the call goes out to, to put your trust, your faith, in this, this child who was born, this one who is both Savior and Lord, Put your hope and trust in Him and become a part of that glorious kingdom that will last forever. His kingdom having no end. And as He brings His own into that kingdom, they are called to recognize His kingship. Part of our preparation for the celebration of Christ coming into the world, the coming of this King, is to once again check our own hearts are we prepared to submit to Him as our King? Submit to His righteous rule. Submit to His authority. For Christ rules over everything. He rules over every sphere of life. Not just what happens here in church on the Lord's Day, but He rules in our homes. Are we prepared to submit to his lordship, his kingship there? In our relationship with our spouse, in recognizing that, that we have roles to play in our home. Husbands, as those loving, godly heads of their homes, caring for their wives like Christ cared for his bride, the church, giving himself up for her. Men, are you preparing for that kind of service as we celebrate the coming of the king? Wives lovingly submitting to their husbands, encouraging them, coming alongside them, building them up, not tearing them down. Wives, are you ready for that kind of submission and service as we celebrate the coming of a king? Children, God has given you parents. Parents to help you, parents to lead you, to guide you, to direct you. And part of your celebration of Christmas and the coming of the king is a willingness to listen, to submit to what your mom and dad say. And say, to, I'm going to celebrate Christmas this year by recognizing the king who came, by recognizing Jesus Christ. And I want to see that kingship played out even in our home as I want to listen to what mom and dad tell me. We see Christ's rule over all of creation. 
We see Christ rule in his own way in the authority structures he's placed around us. Are we prepared to lovingly submit to those authorities out of reverence to Christ? Because his kingship is not limited to the home, to the church. His kingship is over all of the creation, over all of society. That's how we prepare for the coming of this great king. Mary heard this announcement. She heard what the angel said. What is her response? Verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And while this response looks similar to the response of Zechariah, Zechariah's response back in verse 18, Zechariah said, How shall I know this? It's really a very different response. It doesn't quite come across that way in our translation. But if I can paraphrase, that might help to get at the heart of it. Zechariah's question, when he is told that he is going to have a son, Zechariah's question is, by what authority will I know this is going to happen? Or who are you to bring me this message? Which is why the angel responds, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. You're asking me by what authority I do this? This is my authority. It was a response of unbelief. Mary's authority, or Mary's question, if I can paraphrase. I don't understand how this can happen. It's not, it's not challenging what the angel has said. But it is a belief, yet seeking understanding. How, how is this going to be since I am a virgin? It's a question asked in faith. Now, if anyone had a right not to believe the angel's message, it was Mary, not Zechariah. We talked about that last week. Zechariah would know his history. He would know about Abraham and Sarah, a couple past childbearing years whom God gave a child to. He would know about Hannah and Elkanah, a barren woman who was given a child. He had, he had reason to believe, but he didn't. Mary, Mary has no reason to believe, but she does. She responds with faith. She responds with, with a desire to, to understand more fully. And so the angel speaks very differently to her than to, than to Zechariah. Not, I am Gabriel, I'm in the presence of God. The Holy Spirit will, how, how is this possible? The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God, and now he's going to encourage her. She's saying, how can it be? He's going to strengthen her faith. And your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Mary's question, how can it be? Nothing is impossible with God. He will perfectly work 
his will out. He will perfectly have the fullness of his plan of salvation come to fruition in his time and in his way. And Mary's final words to the angel, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Truly evidence that God was with her that she had received his favor. Because these are not normal words you would respond with. This is going to drastically change her life and challenge her in many ways. This message of a child to be born would certainly challenge her relationship with her betrothed, Joseph. You see, Mary doesn't know at this point that an angel will be sent to Joseph as well and tell him, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Take her because what's in her is of the Holy Spirit. She doesn't know that. For all she knows, this will end her relationship with her fiancé. And in fact, in fact, this news of her having a child could end her life. According to Old Testament law, a virgin found to be with child, could be put to death. And yet her response, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. In spite of all the evidence around her, she submits to follow in God's ways, to follow according to his perfect plan. Submission. Submission to God. Submission to the King. Once again, our, our preparation for the celebration of Christmas is about our submitting to God, not coming up with reasons why we shouldn't. <laughs> We're good at that. God, you, I, I, you're calling me to do this, but, but here's the reasons why I can't do that. Mary had many reasons why she could say, this can't happen to me. I don't want to lose my, my fiancé. I don't want to lose my life. But the Lord is with her and gives her the grace to say, let it be to me according to your word. Are we preparing our hearts with that type of servant humility? A humility that says, I don't know what God may be calling me to in the next year. I don't know what he has in store for me, but whatever it will be, I will submit to his perfect plan. I will submit to his holy will. We're called to prepare for Christmas. Not only for the birth of a Savior, but for the birth of a king. A king who came to be our ruler. A king who came to watch over our lives, to lead us in paths of righteousness, even when it is difficult to submit. And God calls us once again this morning to humble our hearts before him. In spite of all the obstacles we might see, in spite of the arguments we might make, to submit to that glorious king for his way, and his will, as they were in the life of Mary, were the perfect way, and for her, brought about the birth of a son who would be the salvation of all his people. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we are truly amazed at your perfect plan of salvation, how you would come and speak to this woman you would speak through the angel, and we are amazed at her response. It is only by your grace, O oh God, that she could respond in this way. 
we pray for that same grace. So often we have all the reasons why we cannot follow you, why we cannot do what you're calling us to. Help us, O oh God, to set those aside. By your grace, may we rejoice and celebrate the coming of our King, Jesus Christ, who rules over us, who rules in our hearts, who rules in our lives, who directs everything that we do. Lord God, work that spirit of submission. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.